Now entering Nerdist.com. Hey, Ken, do you remember uh, Do you remember that first season episode, The Menagerie? Um, I remember the first season episode, The Cage. Oh, no, no, wait, wait, wait. I, I don't want to confuse you here. The, there's The Cage and there's The Menagerie. But you know what they did for The Menagerie? They took pieces of The Cage and they cut it up and they stuck it into The Menagerie. I know, I'm blowing your mind right now, right? Well, no, I'm actually thinking, John, you're giving me an interesting idea. Wait, really? Yeah. See, we, and I know it's been a while for you. Yeah. We actually uh, recorded a couple of test shows before we ever recorded the first show that people were going to hear. Wait, we did? You're blowing my mind right now. I, know, I was there. Right? Yeah, okay. it's kind of crazy. Well, I think it was you. We may have okay. actually had somebody else playing John Champion for this episode. I can't remember. Okay. <laughs> Good. We took shows from season two. Mm-hmm. We took two shows from season two, actually, and recorded them, thinking that, okay, we'll record these shows from season two, and these shows are going to be terrible, but that's okay, because we're going to forget everything we talk about anyway, and so when we come back around in season two, uh, we'll do the shows anew. But that didn't happen. Well, no, because it <laughs> turns out we actually remembered a lot of the stuff from the uh, from the first episode of season two that we were going to talk about, and also, it's not a bad show. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it, actually. I, yeah. I went back and listened to it, and I thought, oh, well, that's it, it's really uh, kind of fun. I uh, was honestly prepared to hate it. <laughs> I was seriously prepared to hate it because I figured you know, we wouldn't have found our footing. And that was, that was probably the longest you and I had spoken at that point, too. That yeah, episode right. was probably the longest that you and I had ever talked. Yeah. And so I really thought we were going to hate it. Now, now what's interesting, we're going to play it for people just the way we put it together. Yeah, so, so you're a little gonna, bit of warning here. The, the format is a little different. We, we don't break out into but it's, trivia. It's, it's not much different, though. That's, that's what's weird. Yeah. 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 And also, yeah. There's, a, there's no computer voice. Oh, sad. Yeah, I know. I think we still have to pay her for this week anyway. Oh, uh, union, <laughs> union rules. Union! Um, yeah. But I do have to do a little uh, house cleaning, though. I mm-hmm. will take full responsibility for the use of the word replicator throughout this show. Oh, Ned. Yeah, well, no, no, no. Oh, that's it's true, because there weren't replicators, that's there right. There weren't replicators. It's not a replicator. It's a food synthesizer of some sort. Um, I get it. Please, no letters. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and own my use of away team, though, because even though that's not what Kirk calls them, that's what they are. And that's, <laughs> that's also what I grew up on. I grew up on away teams, so... I'm, I go old school, man. Landing party. Really? I say landing party. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I'll go really yeah. old school and say a uh, group of guys. Oh, nice. <laughs> Some of whom may die because they're wearing red. I like that. So uh, we hope you all enjoy the show. It's a little uh, blast from our past. And um, please enjoy a muck time. The Roddenberry Star Trek Podcast, Season 2, Episode 1, A Mock Time. Afternoon, cadets. Howdy, partners, and welcome to another edition of the Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, the Star Trek Compendium Companion, or Companion Compendium, I don't know. From way out east, I'm Ken Ray. And from way out west, I am John Champion. Now, for those who don't know what we do, we talk Star Trek one episode a week, hitting the big ideas, talking about whether the uh, particular episode stands the test of time, and finding out what we can take from it going forward. And believe it or not, it's much more fun than that makes it sound. You can listen to the show without ever having seen an episode of Star Trek. But I ask, why would you want to? There are reruns, there are DVDs, there's the 
muy sexy Blu-rays of Star Trek out there. There's Amazon Prime. Every episode of every series from the original to Enterprise is available online. Netflix streaming, if that floats your boat. Or you can head over to Roddenberry.com slash Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, something like that, to find the best way to watch for you. Now, um, you want to play the alternate name game? I have been dying to do that all day long. <laughs> Let's play it. Well, I don't think a mock time really makes a lot of sense. I don't think it tells people you know, what it's going to be about. So uh, I, I had three that I was thinking. Uh, the Love Ship. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he's got to have it. And he does. This, this one amuses yeah. me quite a bit. Or uh, to bring me up sometime. You know, I, I came up with a couple of my own. All right. What do you got? got uh, I've got Young Vulcans in Love. <laughs> and I've got, here you go, I've got A Rolling Stun gathers no moss oh uh, eh. no it's kind of lame that's fine that's fine. <laughs> right uh there are going to be many conflicts just you know uh, uh, per week every week there are always conflicts i'm trying to figure out this week is it man versus man man versus nature or man versus himself it kind of feels like it could almost be all three it, it kind of does we're talking about the nature of man we're talking about the biological urge of man okay and, that- and i say that specifically about spock Right. But, um, yeah. Although there's a little, you know, there's hot man versus man action. There is. <laughs> there's hot man versus uh, the Vulcan atmosphere. You know, Kirk's have a little problem there. Yeah. So there's a little bit of uh, man versus nature in that respect. It really there's a is. a lot going on. It really yeah. is more fun than we make it sound, though. <laughs> So, Ken, we've had enough fun with the title of the episode. Why don't you tell our listeners what Amok Time is all about? All right, put five minutes on the clock, because I'm going to bring this in five minutes or less. You got it. All right. Prologue. Something's wrong with Spock. Bones says he's been acting strange and says he actually threatened to break Bones' neck when pressed about it, which does sound a little strange. Meanwhile, Nurse Chapel expresses her love and concern for Spock with soup. Oh, man. (laughs) Uh, and, it, you know, it's a good soup. It's a special Vulcan soup. But uh, Spock proceeds to chase her out of his quarters, hurling the soup at the wall. It's then that he bumps into Kirk and Bones and demands shore leave on Vulcan, his home world. Cut to the opening credits. Act one. Spock continues pressing for shore leave on Vulcan, though he refuses to say why. Kirk agrees, but then is told by Starfleet that the timeline on their current mission has to be moved up. No time for a side trip to Vulcan. Uh, Spock says he understands, but he goes behind Kirk's back and changes the course to Vulcan anyway. Something Kirk only finds out because he's going to do it too. So really, how can he be too mad at Spock? Uh, Kirk confronts Spock, though, about the literal change in direction. Spock says he'll take Kirk's word for it that he changed direction. He doesn't really remember doing it. Kirk suggests that he go to sick bay, and by suggests, I mean orders. He goes to sick bay. Bones comes out and says, Spock's going to die. Can't tell you why. Not because I won't, but because I don't know. We have to get to Vulcan now. Got to commercial. Act two. Bones tell Kirk that something is physically wrong with Spock, but he doesn't know what. Kirk confronts Spock again, and Spock tells him it's a sex type thing. He am, he am, he am. He said he wants to get next to Vulcan. In fact, he needs to. So while they keep it hidden from the outside world, Vulcans have this thing, sort of like salmon, where they have to return home at some point to, well, you know... Kirk again asks Starfleet for time to go to Vulcan, though he can't say why. Starfleet once again says no. Kirk says, well, he doesn't say anything. He just goes ahead and goes to Vulcan anyway. Uh, Here, Chapel and Spock basically acknowledge Chapel's love for Spock, something he does not acknowledge openly, but he does seem to sort of welcome again. 
in the form of soup. Spock also asks Kirk and Bones to come to Vulcan, and we uh, see Chapel and uh, to see Chapel actually see Spock's wife uh, to Pring for the first time. We didn't even know he had a wife, and that's because he doesn't. Act three, down to Vulcan we go. Uh, first time for the series, I think, that we've been to Vulcan. It's a hot place with an atmosphere that's thinner than Earth's. Uh, here we find that Spock's family owns land, its own land for more than 2,000 years, and his wife, Tapring, is not really his wife, but a betrothed. It's an arranged marriage, um, which is an ancient custom on Vulcan. Vulcan, rather. Officiating over the ceremony is Tapau, the only person ever to turn down a seat on the Federation Council, so she's a big deal, which means Spock's family is a big deal. Uh, Tapau is taken aback by the presence of Outworlders, but Spunk deems them friends, which is good enough for her. On with the wedding, but wait, Tapring chooses not the wedding, but conflict. Spock will have to fight for her. Uh, she gets to choose her champion, which we think will be this burly Vulcan who's been there for some unknown reason. But no, it turns out she chooses Kirk. Uh, Kirk agrees only then to find out that it's a fight to the death. Cut to commercial, act four. Kirk says, uh, a fight to what now? And they fight, and uh, Kirk is not in the best shape because, as we pointed out before, Vulcan is hot and the air is thin. Uh, Bones argues to give Kirk a shot of triox to help him breathe and uh, get him back in fighting form. Fat lot of good it does. Round two ends with uh, Bones pronouncing Kirk dead, killed in combat by Spock. Uh, Spock announces his plans to turn himself over to Starfleet for killing Kirk. He also uh, makes T'Pring explain what the heck was going on. And this is where we find out that Spock's kind of a celebrity on Vulcan. Um, and she doesn't want to be the wife of a celebrity. What she wants is this big burly Vulcan who it turns out is named Stan, and Stan wants her. So she figures she'll get Spock to fight Kirk, since if Kirk wins, he'll leave and she'll have Stan. If Spock wins, he'll likely refuse her and she'll have Stan. Or if Spock wins and keeps her, he'll still go gallivanting about the galaxy. Then she'll have his property, she'll have his prestige, or prestige, and uh, she'll have Stan. So uh, Spock admires the logic, tells Stan that the wanting is a lot of times better than the having, as logical as he says that sounds. Then he heads back to the Enterprise to have himself taken to Starfleet security and apparently to his death. Uh, but death in this episode is kind of a funny thing. Kirk's not dead. Spock is full on happy for about a second, uh, then logically relieved that Kirk is alive. Cut to closing credits. What was my time? Uh, you were about four minutes. Ah, so nice. Nice. Yeah. I yeah. win. <laughs> and did I miss anything? I guess that's my other question. I don't think you did. All right, good. All in there. there we go. It's all right there. Now we can go back and hit, what does this tell us about what? Because, man, there yeah. it felt like as I was watching it, there were just so many uh, lessons here. Really? You you learned lessons from this? Because here's my take on this episode. All right. Overall, it, it's very dramatic. It's just full of heavy drama. But do I actually learn anything from it? Well, not really anything outside of the Star Trek universe. Really? You know? Yeah, yeah. Because, well, okay. Uh, let, let's go with maybe uh, the first thing, the whole concept of arranged marriage, which on 20th century Earth, certainly in 21st century Earth, we find to be a little uh, backward. Well, yeah, you don't, you don't do that. No. I would say that's no. you know, probably just a good idea right there. No, I mean, the thing, honestly, the, the chief takeaway from all of this is no matter who your friend is, know what you're getting into. Mm, I yeah. mean, and I mean nobody in offense. I have friends for whom I would be willing to lay down my life. I would like to know <laughs> that that's right, what I'm right. doing beforehand, though. I mean, there were just so many things that were just, I don't know. There were a lot of things that were kind of funny about it. There's, I mean, there's weird like, OK, so so Spock is going crazy and we don't know why. And he won't tell anyone, which is kind of odd, I think, because 
here's supposedly the Vulcans and and humans from Earth have been allies for a very long time, and you'd think that something as basic as you know the mating habits of the two cultures would have come up before, seeing as how Spock is half human and half Vulcan already. So this had to have come up at some point before, don't you think? Uh, apparently not, though. And here's the thing. You can say, well, it seems totally strange, but here we are uh, a few years into the 21st century. And, and how much bigger a thing is sex now than it was, say, when you and I were kids? Let's say, really? let's say mid-80s to mid-90s. Uh, Rick Santorum, is that where this is headed? I'm not going to make it about anybody in particular. I'm going <laughs> to make it about that in general. I mean, absolutely. Okay. There are things that I honestly thought that we had come to terms with a very long time ago. So at first when I see it, I think, wow, 23rd century and we're still sort of hung up about this. But then every now and then I'm like, wow, 21st century, we're still hung up about it. Because that's really what it comes down to. This whole thing could have been subverted had Spock just said, look, I, 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 I'm a man and men have needs. But, but this is actually real. This is not like you know when I'm in college and I'm just telling people that men have needs. No, no, no. I will die. Right. <laughs> so I guess right. – I, I mean to me, there's like one of the things is – Maybe I mean maybe one of the overarching lessons, even though it's not you know like thrown up in our face throughout this whole episode, is maybe we need to get over our sex sexual hangups, like just not even be able to talk about some things. Because I mean, look, he got his captain to counterman orders. He he subverted his captain's orders, and uh, he nearly killed his best friend, and he nearly died. Why? Because we can't you know we can't talk about the nasty. But you see, I, I think that's why I think it's so out of character, why it's so weird, because I feel like the Vulcans are always held up as kind of the, the species that humans aspire to be more like. like they're, they're more thoughtful, more logical, more advanced. You know, They have all these great traits that we really look out and, and hold up with some esteem. And it seems like that in this futuristic universe where we are holding up other cultures as a mirror to ourselves, then at least – Sexually, some other culture would have kind of figured this out before and dropped all of the uh, embarrassment and and weird ancient rituals around it. See, so not... I, I, you know, I get it that it makes for good storytelling. Don't get me wrong, um, but it, you know, if you flash forward, say to later years of Star Trek, uh, where sexuality isn't handled as such a dramatic thing. Um, you know, Dr. Flox on Enterprise had three wives. No big deal. They talked about sex all the time. I felt like the Vulcans would have kind of beat us there. Yeah, but there, there was also an episode. I can't remember which, uh, which episode it was, but there was an episode of Next Generation where the ideal was actually sort of an asexual or, or unisexual society. But, of course, you know, Riker being Riker. He ends up turning one of them on before she goes through whatever process it is that she's hey. supposed to go through to make her not – be attractive. That's because Riker turned everyone <laughs> off. All right? Let's just get that straight. <laughs> right, okay. Here's the thing, though. I, I'm not sure. I mean, there, there's – and it's something that Bones brings up at one point. He says uh, – the thing, by the way, the, the burning desire, the, the sex type thing that, that Spock is going through is called Ponfar. By the way, if you ever get the Vulcan, try the Ponfar. Oh, <laughs> it's really um, – and, and, and Bones actually makes a comment of, of you know, wondering uh, what is it? And they still go mad at this time, he says, perhaps the price they pay for having no emotions the rest of the time. OK. Yeah, we do hold up – well, I, I shouldn't say we hold up the Vulcans as being uber logical. The Vulcans hold the Vulcans up as uber logical. 
and and oh, you know but, but some... we love that seething underbelly of raw emotion that we know is right there under the surface. Well, I mean, so maybe that's maybe that's maybe that's one of your lessons as well. Not your lessons personally. I'm not saying you don't get it, John. <laughs> but maybe that's one of your lessons as well. Is you know you know be logical to an extent, but yeah, maybe as Colbert would say, you also got to follow your gut. Mm. I don't know because. I mean, there were a lot of things that were sort of revealed about the Vulcans here. And if we're going to say, well, they've always been sort of the, the paragon, they've sort of been, you know, what we're aiming for. Uh, we get to Vulcan and Spock says, yeah, this is land my family's own for 2000 Earth years. So suck it, plebe. I mean, there's very much. And she says, you know, I, don't, I didn't want to be the, the wife of a celebrity. And to Pow, the woman who turned down the spot on the council. Kirk, there's, there's, I think this episode is rife. I mean, there's also pride. Kirk says, look at that. That's T'Pau. I can't back out now. I'd be embarrassing myself in front of T'Pau, who, by the way, I've never met, who, by the way, is a muckety-muck on this one planet, and I can go to 10 planets from right here without even asking anybody. But see, that fits right in with his character, though. I mean, that, that's classic Kirk bravado, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, to, to just show off. And it doesn't matter who it is. If he gets the sense that this is an important person, then he's going to show off and he's going to get the shirt ripped easily by the first three minutes of Act 3. That's how it has to happen. <laughs> actually, it was less than three minutes in. You're right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it, you could set a clock by that. But, you know, but going back to this whole thing, like, I think it was so weird is that, you know, we keep saying that Vulcan has these traditions and these ancient rituals and all that stuff, but they themselves hold up logic as the ultimate expression of their intellect, and yet they hold on to these things that by any other measure would be completely illogical and nonsensical. You know, we, we have to have an arranged marriage, which, okay, maybe that is logical. Maybe you hold together the society that way. Maybe you can ensure the uh, propagation of the species, ensure the success of these families that way. That's logical. But to actually kill each other over this well, and then to possibly kill your friends, the other worlders or outworlders yeah, over bear, this. Bear in mind, though, um, nobody expected to bring to choose conflict. That, mm-hmm. I mean, that was not that was that was not in anybody's cards. I mean, she actually, I think, I want to say, Tapal actually said uh, an ancient part of our uh, tradition. Nobody expected that it was actually going to come to blows. So, right. I mean, she just, I mean, she kind of pulled a fast one. So, again, though, I mean, so what are your overall lessons? I mean, first of all, it seems to me one of your overall lessons is um, you know it, it be open about the things that you know. <laughs> talk about sex. I guess talk about sex with your kids would be lesson number one. Lesson right. number two, though, is maybe we don't cling so much to tradition in that respect. And and that may well tie back into lesson number one. I mean, if this has always been something that's been secretive and quiet and shameful. Because the other thing is the Vulcan society I've got here in my notes, and I think it's true, is basically built on secrecy and shame. Yes. <laughs> and status. Yeah, right. I'm sorry, status as well. Which is which? Which I was surprised when I was watching it and really trying to think about it critically, when it wasn't just "Hey, we get to that really cool music," you know, when they're fighting. Oh, I love that. That's great music. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's um, yeah, it was it was really surprising to see that. Yeah, these are the people that we've always sort of held up as like as as the tops, as the best. These were the ones that kept us out of space for a while. Right. And right. Uh, yeah, it turns out that they, you know, no, but don't talk to them about sex because they can't. Can we talk really? Can we talk really quickly too about what was the deal with the soup? Uh, the Pobeek soup. Yeah, yeah. 
if that yeah. what it was if that's what it was called. Um, it, it was called Plumbing Soup, okay. and in fact, it made uh, several recurring uh, appearances in Star Trek throughout the later years. I don't know if it was always bright purple. And I learned an interesting little fun fact from the uh, Blu-ray because I, I watched this on the uh, Blu-rays that 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 stain actually lasted on several later episodes of Star Trek. <laughs> so we're walking down the corridor and you see a big plomeek soup stain across oh, from uh, Spock's quarters. That's kind of yeah. funny. Um, what's up with um, – here it is, the 23rd century and, mm-hmm. the, and the best way that this woman who is in love with this guy – and we can talk about you know making yourself – available to an emotionally unavailable person from the word go. I mean, it's kind of oh, like yeah. when that woman fell in love with Data in the next generation. Right. But, um, yeah, the best way to tell a man that she loves him is to make him food. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't, even yeah. know, I don't even know how she did it. I mean, this is this is a military shit. Well, not military. It's a military and exploration. Um, does everybody get a kitchenette? Uh, everybody has a replicator. That's the easiest thing in the world, man. Can you and make like, me hey, more uh, of that soup? Can you make yeah. it yourself? Say can, it. Can you replicate it? <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> but she says it with a certain accent, I guess. Maybe that's it. <laughs> right. Just the right amount of seasoning. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I found that whole relationship very charming. Like, I, I like the idea that – and really only expressed through uh, Nurse Chapel and occasionally through her uh, that uh, women found Spock to be pretty sexy because uh, the rest of the time it was just like the, the, you know, the babe of the week falling for Kirk. Right. But, uh, but Spock was kind of a sex symbol. You know, and I like that it gave Nurse Chapel something to do to have this kind of romantic life, even if it was never to be realized. All right, really? All right, yeah. All right, I'm fine with that. What? No, no wait. Do you think that there should be no no romance on the ship? No, Just, no. Quite the contrary. I'm thinking, you know, sixty seven, sixty eight. This country is coming apart at the seams with a with a new kind of sexual liberty and freedom. And really, the way that she is able to express that is, you know, oh, I made you soup. <laughs> I mean, well, I, you know, uh, well, well, the first time, yeah, yeah, the, the Mod Squad—they're like, they're like you know burning their bras, and you know, not really the Mod Squad. I don't know, but I mean, I'm thinking if you flip the channels, there were there were other expressions of uh, of of that besides soup. I got nothing uh, against soup, by the way. Some of my best friends have soup. I actually had soup for dinner tonight. So did you? Uh, that's good for you. Yeah. Good well, you. it might have been because I was just watching the uh, you know a mock time. Right. It's quite <laughs> possible. You had soup on the brain. I understand. I, so I've got – I mean it's not like I have anything against that. It just it, – I found it kind of surprising. It was interesting. In a, in a time where we – you know, from standing 40 years away where we look back and we mm. think, oh, it was, it was – we were, we were coming out of these social norms and we were, you know, doing this, you know, all sorts of liberation stuff. And yeah, yeah, she cooks for him and doesn't tell him exactly how she feels. Yeah, but yeah. see, I mean, but here's the thing. I, I don't think that uh, particularly this episode, not always on Star Trek, were they looking for ways, particularly the original series, to address issues of sexuality. So uh, this is just sort of like a charming moment bringing the soup. Well, we have to find something for her to do. Um, going back to that Blu-ray, there was an interesting little bit of an interview with DC Fontana saying that um, when Theodore Sturgeon turned in his original draft, there was a discussion about Spock throwing soup just because they wanted to display somehow that he was losing his mind and he, he wasn't uh, under his normal faculties. And DC Fontana went back and said, no, 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 we, we have to write this. You have to show the soup being thrown because this is TV. 
and we have to show the action of what we're talking about. Um, so it, obviously this is a, a stand-in way to say, all right, Spock is not the Spock that we normally expect. And we inject a little bit of a sexual element there because Nurse Chapel has the hots for Spock. It's really interesting when you bring that up, though, because you're right. There was sort of a nonchalance when Bone says at the beginning that Spock threatened to break his neck. Yeah. And they're both, yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, Kirk's like, really? <laughs> it's, it's, it's sort of like, huh. Not, you know, not like a, wow, that's actually a, that's a serious uh, violent threat. Yeah. Made by one of my officers against one of my other officers. Maybe I should look into that. It was just more like a, huh, kind of thing. But they let him get away with everything. I mean, he, he hijacks the ship. Yeah. This is the kind of thing that, you know, that, that person would have been shot with a phaser and thrown in the brig. And, <laughs> you know, any other episode, that would have been over. And you, who, know, you saw what happened when Khan tried to hijack a ship. And who's going to pay for that computer that he broke in his... Uh, in his in his uh, in his room. Yeah, you mean the foam rubber computer that uh, I want uh, one know, of sort those. Of, sort of melts when yeah. he uh, hits it. Yeah, it's pretty it's, great. It was made out of like aluminum foil and yes. held together by duct tape. And yeah, they, right. they call him on it and say, uh, "I need to." And we don't even find out what they need to tell him. Just uh, Mr. Spock, this is, and he just comes over and just just wails on this computer, which well, is the, the first time is. you get the sense that he's actually. Either he's incredibly strong or this is making him incredibly strong. Or really, they have the chintziest stuff on the Enterprise. So here's a couple of points that I'd like to bring up to you, Ken. Okay. Um, one, one is I feel like, first of all, there is kind of an anti-sex message here. Like you brought up a very good point that this is still, you know, mid-century America. Um, maybe the producers and writers here of Star Trek saying, look, this is bad if you don't talk about sex because – People end up killing each other with giant swords and jump ropes. You know, that, that could happen. So first of all, there's one message. The other message here is that, you know what, women and you, your love life, your sex life are just going to get in the way of your career. So Kirk, clearly unattached. Spock, as soon as the prospect of a wife shows up, the, the, this is just bad news because he, he's going to lose his career. He's going to have to move back to Vulcan and be a farmer or whatever it has to do with that 2,000-year-old land. Um, this is just going to mess everything up for them. And he's got to reject Chapel, you know. So I, I feel like there might be a little hint of kind of, uh, kind of an anti-sexual message here, saying, you know, you can't have the career and the fulfilling home life at the same time. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I mean, well, I mean, they they are again in a military and exploration vessel, right? True, but for five years out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that was certainly it, something that was more addressed in um, the Next Generation. Yeah, I, I don't know that we ever got. Do we we never actually get to that in the uh, in the original series, do we? I mean, unless, no, unless this is it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Maybe you're right. Yeah, there's this really is, no room for families. No, know? no. Yeah. I hate to say that that's like, you know, that's what the message of the whole thing is. I don't think it's a message. It's kind of an undercurrent that shows up every now and then. Um, but here's the good news, though, because apparently if you're Vulcan and if you have these urges that, you know, compel you to steal a starship, <laughs> go back to Vulcan, uh, kill somebody potentially and uh, ruin your career, all of that, when that happens, it just magically goes away at the end of the episode. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, right? Mm -hmm. I actually wondered, and and even though he went for the um, medical exam uh, with Bones, um, 
I wondered uh, on more than one occasion if this wasn't just some sort of like you know crazy frenzy that they worked themselves into. If the whole thing wasn't psychosomatic. Uh, well, yeah, it, she uh, Tapao does say that he has a blood fever. He won't be talking to anyone. He, he's just going to fight, or he's going to go do something with Tapring. And, and I guess it is kind of like the modern equivalent where uh, pretty much uh, if you're that worked up, pretty much you, you're either going to go have sex or you just need to go play sports and work it off. I and get then you're going to be okay. But I mean, seriously, the whole thing couldn't have just been sort of in his head. I know they said the blood fever and I know he said he won't hear, but I'm thinking about like um, – well, I'm thinking about a few different things. I actually knew somebody who knew somebody, and I know that sounds goofy, but I don't want to. I don't want to out this person. I knew somebody who knew somebody who was convinced they were going to die on a certain day, and by golly, if they didn't. And, she, and the thing is, this person knew for like a year to a year and a half that that was the day that they were going to die. And of was course, this person Mark Twain. No, but okay. by the time they got to that place, by the time they got to that day, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. she ended up. Um, she ended up uh, stroking out. That day, wow. which is sort of yeah, so it's sort of sad and sort of terrible. But my point is, you can convince yourself a lot of things, and so even though Spock says, "Well, I, I really kind of hoped I wouldn't have the whole Ponfar fever, or whatever we call it," um, you know, I mean, just knowing his whole life that he was going to have it, maybe he did. Eh, you know, and certainly, is, there's the whole. I mean, there's the whole psychosomatic thing as well, right? Just thinking. But this is a culture-wide thing, though. So you're, you're talking about the entire male population of Vulcan having this uh, shared psychosis right. every seven years. Right. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that's, that, that's intense, man. That's, uh, I mean, that, okay, that's... Bear in mind, that, we're also talking that, about spaceships and replicators and other planets. So, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not going so far afield to say that there could be sort of a mass hysteria. But this is like worse than people getting trampled at Walmart over Christmas. I mean, that, that is worse. That is a worse future that you're uh, describing there. Than uh, than that kind of shared mass psychosis. Well, maybe except that uh, you know, Ponfar only happens every few years. Oh, true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but the Walmart could... thing happens across the country every twelve every months. Every year, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's kind of yeah. bad. Very true. So that's. <laughs> sorry, I think we may have just changed entirely. So I guess the moral is shop early. Yes, <laughs> and and often. Yeah, if you get the chance. <laughs> Apparently that's Kirk's credo. Yeah, there is there is kind of a weird thing. I, it sort of goes to what uh, what Spock told Stan, which is kind of interesting too. When he says the whole, um, yeah, you may find or I have found that uh, the wanting is often uh, more enjoyable than the ne- uh, than the having. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, it it is kind of weird though that you do just you know have that that snap. You're right. It was it was the uh, one F or the fighting. Yeah, and doing either one apparently just you know sort of broke him of the whole thing, that, and well, and I guess see in eleven years, and that explains a little about Kirk's psychology as well. <laughs> you know, it really does. There are two other things because because we're actually I don't know where we are on time, but there are two other things that we have to hit, and mm-hmm. and these I think are actually fairly big. Do you want to do the Do you want to do the um, Do you want to do the kind of goofy one, or do you want to do the serious one first? Let's do serious and then goofy. Okay. Um, there is there's a certain amount of of I don't want to say barbarism, but there's a, there's the, the, things aren't as Garden of Eden as we always think they are in the Federation. There's this thing that happens at the end when um when when uh, Spock believes that he's killed Kirk, uh, where he's saying goodbye to to Pal, and he says live long and prosper, and you know she says thanks, 
or whatever she says. And then she says, live long and prosper to him. And he says, I will do neither, for I have killed my captain and my friend. Okay. Vulcans say what they mean. They mean what they say. They're very logical. He's not saying he's not going to prosper. He's saying he is not going to live long and prosper, which indicates to me that Starfleet, which is who he's already said he's going to turn himself over to, has a death penalty. And and Spock's good for it now. He's up for it. He didn't didn't say life's going to be tough for me. He didn't say, well, I will live long, but I will live in prison. So prosperity probably won't be the thing unless I find the guy who brings in the cigarettes or I get in good with the biggest guy in prison. What he says (laughs) is, I am not going to live long and I am not going to prosper because I killed a guy. So you know what that means? Death penalty. You think he's being that literal, though? Uh, I mean, I I, I don't know. Where are we? I I think that he is. (laughs) but, But I think he's so heartbroken. Yeah, and and unable to deal with what he has just done, that um, may, maybe he just assumes that the long happy life ahead of him is not going to happen. That uh, you know the carpet has been pulled out from under him. Nah. So um, no, I, 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 I don't know. But, but here's the thing, though. I, I think the, the the barbarism that you're talking about is reflected throughout the show. Again, going back to this uh, the, the, this grasping at this ancient tradition. And nobody says, uh, hey, wait a minute, guys. This might have been fine 2,000 years ago, but uh, actually having a fight to the death, even though we haven't done it, and even though we didn't expect it to come along this time, we're actually not going to go through with that. No, they're they're fully committed to going through with it. Now, you've actually got – but you've you've got two different things that you're talking about there. Mm -hmm. I mean, Vulcans, you're talking about culturally – uh, the Federation, you're talking about we as all of these different groups, as the Vulcans, as the humans, as um, the Vulcans. We've yeah. all gotten together and we've, we've overcome you know, the stuff that we've needed to overcome and now this is it. We are to the stars and we're getting other planets to come join us and it's just – I mean we're, we're like we're, – we're, 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 we're teaching each world to sing in perfect harmony and we're buying them Cokes and it's all awesome. Right. Um, but there's still a death penalty. Uh, well, uh, see, I, I know I, I part ways with you there because I don't know that it's really that literal. Now, I'll give you this: Spock should have been punished from Act One on. You know, <laughs> it, it, as soon as he decides, I'm gonna, I'm hijacking the ship. I'm not gonna tell you what's going on. I'm gonna throw soup at the nurse. Clearly, these are all actionable items that deserve some kind of punishment. You know, I, I, what Khan? Khan was abandoned on a planet for doing this, for yeah. trying to hijack the ship. So I, I fully agree with you that, that there has to be a penal system in place to take care of people who just go completely off their rocker and break every rule in the book. I just, I, I'm not sold that at the end, Spock literally thinks that he is turning himself in to be you know, punished at the point of a phaser. I don't think he's going to be disintegrated and Spock will be no longer. I think he'll be court-martialed. And that's a whole other episode we can get into. But I, I think that that is waiting for him. Maybe jail time, uh, maybe a teaching position in Arkansas. <laughs> you know, all these things could happen to him. Given but I the, don't but, know if they'd actually kill him. So given the hyperbole you're saying, the Vulcans, yes. Spock in particular, you think is given the hyperbole. He often I, says I, I, things that are not that are not accurate. Hey, he has been known to exaggerate. He has been known to exaggerate, but it's he the exception. It's the exception, not the rule. Yeah. Well, I, again, I, I just think that that is such a devastating moment. The the only you know close friends this guy has are Kirk and uh, McCoy. 
and he just killed one of them. So he thinks. So he's probably thinking, wow, I am as much as a Vulcan can experience grief, he's got it and he's got it bad. So it's sort of like, you know, oh, my girlfriend broke up with me. My, my heart is broken. I don't want to live. You know, that, it's, it's that. It's that. All right. You know, I disagree. But OK. Right, well, I'm glad. I'm glad you disagree. Yeah. Um, this is how this show is going to go. For well, because I mean, 79 episodes. Well, because I mean, here's the thing. That's like because that's I mean, that's a huge differentiator, though. Right. That's a huge differentiator in what we think the Federation is and what we think the future can be. I mean, this 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 comes down to the whole. How are we going to do this? Are we going to get everybody on board or are we going to go in that direction and, you know, kick off the people who who don't want to be on board? Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, mm-hmm. if, if we if we're building our federation by killing the people who do things that we don't think they should do, eh, you know, that it, then maybe we're not quite as evolved. We're about as evolved as the Vulcans who, you know, swear up and down that they are evolved. Just don't ask me about the nasty. Right. Yeah. Right. Because we don't yeah. – it's not nasty. It's, it's perfectly natural every 11 years to want to kill your best friend or, you know, whoever somebody else puts <laughs> in front of you. The other thing, by the way, the, the, the goofy part, um, uh, McCoy, big cheater. <laughs> because mm-hmm. we didn't explain how it is that it turns out Kirk's not dead. Uh, that triox that McCoy gave him, uh, it turns out, was actually something to just sort of, you know, uh, mostly dead him. Hey, and you know what? Lucky for McCoy that there wasn't some other ancient Vulcan tradition that stipulates anybody <laughs> who dies on Vulcan has to be uh, cremate, cremated within the hour and uh, their ashes spread off of Mount Silea. As is the ancient way, Kirk's head will be yeah. hung outside of T'Pring's house for a month. Right. <laughs> that could have happened. He had no idea. And by the way, I think Triox, isn't Triox, isn't O3, isn't that ozone? I don't so know. even if he had injected Kirk with a bunch of ozone, he just would have dropped dead. I'm sorry. So. I'm, I'm, forgive me. I'm actually now stuck on all the things that could have happened to Kirk. See, this was, uh, you know, bravo to McCoy for thinking outside the box, but he really could have screwed that up. And, and just think about the gaff when that happens, when, you know, uh, uh, Spock beams back up. And uh, he gets to go confront McCoy and say, OK, I'm turning myself in because I killed the captain. And McCoy is like, not so fast. I actually killed the captain. Oh, you're giving McCoy far too much credit, I think. I well, <laughs> Here's how I think it goes. Do it again. You're Spock. And I'll, okay, and I'll Spock, be McCoy. Spock beams back up and he, he goes into sick bay and goes, uh, hey, uh, doctor, I'm uh, turning myself in under Starfleet regulations. I have killed the captain. I know. That was really something. Let's go. (laughs) So, Ken, we've uh, explored the mating habits of the most logical yet uh, potentially emotionally eruptive race that we've uh, ever met on Star Trek. What I want to know is, did you learn anything from this episode? Uh, cheat to win, I think, is certainly mm. one of the biggest mm-hmm. uh, lessons in here. And um, I, I guess the one the one sort of bummer, the one downer I have is uh, you know, no matter how advanced we get, no matter how far we go, we may still never you know break out of status. We may still never break out of the the land ownership, you know, sort of. It's apparently highly logical that since your great 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 grandfather got there before my great 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 grandfather did. Uh, then you get more. I think the things that I learned um, were that, uh, you know, 
sex still difficult yet kind of fun in the 23rd century, just as it is in the 21st. And uh, the big takeaway for me is that uh, just like Elvis, you can avoid personal responsibility if you fake your death. <laughs> so that's what I learned. All right. Well, that, that's – that's um, yeah. I'm really not sure we got the messages that we were supposed to. But you know, <laughs> we had last week and we've got next week too. Next week, by the way, uh, who mourns for Adonai? Head to Roddenberry.com slash Roddenberry Star Trek podcast to find the best way to watch uh, for you. Awesome. And hey, we want to hear from you. If you've got feedback, we love to hear it. So send us email at at fakeemailaddress.com. You can also give us a call 415-555-1212. Thank you for listening, everybody. Kirk out. Needless to say, by the way, our uh, email address is not (laughs) – so um, we'll get to what our real contact information is in just a moment in case you've forgotten from the past 30-something episodes or 20-something episodes. There's one thing that we debated that Mm -hmm. we now know, having gone back and actually paid more attention to the first season. Uh, Mm -hmm. Apparently, Spock was not going to be killed. Right. Yeah. I still still think, though, you've got the problem of – I don't want to say too many cooks. I will say different cooks. Yeah, around, well, around my house this week, we were going to make uh, gumbo. Oh, no. Gumbo? No, we were going to make jambalaya. Okay. Uh, well, we couldn't find shrimp. And so oh, we decided, okay, okay we're going to make the jambalaya, but we're not going to have, you know, we're not going to have shrimp because we couldn't find shrimp that could actually, that, well, that, you know, ecologically mm. that we could eat because it mm-hmm. was coming from places that you really shouldn't be shrimping at this point. Mm. Um, and then there was, uh, and then we couldn't find okra. Oh, dear. And at some point, I decided to say, you know what? We're not making jambalaya anymore we're making we're making some other kind of soup and let's just go ahead and call it that because you know so so you know i mean point though is though somebody might make jambalaya and it may have one thing somebody else might make it it may have something else but that's okay it's you know part of the whole thing i really still think that spock was saying he was going to be put to death for killing kirk even though we now know that the only thing will get you put to death according to oddly enough according to the menagerie is uh going back to talos 4 which was the uh, planet that we started this whole thing on in the cage Right. Yeah. Right. So, so, but I acknowledge, okay, I understand that we are told in season one that this will not get Spock killed. He sure seems to be under the impression, at least to me, and I know you disagreed even when we recorded however many, <laughs> you know, months ago now, Yeah. yeah. Uh, that that was not the case. And of course, the other thing is we actually did end up choosing a better uh, email address than... <laughs> I really like that one though. Uh, it was pretty good. Email address dot com. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was it was it was pretty decent. It was pretty right. decent. But we do have better ones now. It's uh, mission log at roddenberry dot com. Oh, I like that a lot better. It's the email. Well, you know, it it, it flows yes. a little bit yes. better, doesn't it? And then there mm-hmm. are other ways that people can get in touch with us too. Uh, yeah, Facebook and Twitter. We should think about Instagram. Except, what are we going to take? You know, <laughs> you don't want to know. What are we actually uh, going to take pictures of? Right, that we want people to see. Right. Um, Mission Log Pod is the way to do that. That's on uh, uh, Facebook and Twitter. We have a really cool website, of course, uh, missionlogpodcast.com. Missionlogpodcast.com is where you can find that. And, of course, if you want to do things the old-fashioned way, you can give us a call, 323-522-5641. We may use your comments on an upcoming episode of Mission Log. Next week, who mourns? 
for Adonai. Some of the music for the mission log provided by Warp 11, online at warp11.com, and from the album Messages, by Key Theory, free to download at kitheory.com. I will say, for a first episode ever, it was not bad, but it was missing something. and transmission. Now leaving Nerdist.com